Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, brought to you by Michigan Midpack Media, the podcast that covers the Michigan cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Midpacker. I'm your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And before we get too far into the podcast today, I want to apologize to our listeners if the audio is a little off. Sheldon rolled in with this obnoxious mustache that he's been growing for like... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's just, I don't know, it's going to muffle his voice a little bit. Sheldon, why did you compromise the quality? It's all for Iceman. It's all for Iceman. Well, perfect. That's what we're here to talk about today. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going single speed at Iceman, and I figure I need a good old porn stash for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're well on your way. It's not quite too... um, I don't know. It doesn't quite need wax yet, but uh, it's getting there. It's are you getting... are you hoping for that or? Oh, uh, I don't know yet. I'm just letting it roll. Okay. It, it was completely unplanned. Actually, I was just shaving my facial hair off, and I uh, shaved my beard first, and I was like, "Oh, this is so terrible. I need to keep this for a while." And then, uh, due to some encouragement from others, uh, we're letting it roll through the end of November. Well, fantastic. Or the I, beginning of November. Yeah. I, I mean. If if I'm honest, I'm a little envious. It's it's pretty fantastic. So uh, so, anyways, moving on. You may have heard their voices already, but with us today we have two very special guests. We are going to look at um, the upcoming Iceman Cometh Challenge at the beginning of November. Uh, I mean, if you're from Michigan and you race bikes, you absolutely know about it. I mean, wait, wait, what it, is this? <laughs> you haven't heard his voice you've heard his laugh yeah you haven't <laughs> you've definitely heard his laugh from across the table with us is sebastian stankowitz he is a local friend local rider um local i don't know uh grease monkey at grease a bike monkey shop. at uh, <laughs> our favorite bike shop here in lansing spin who uh we race for all of us at the table tonight. all of us at the table yeah uh it's Shout you know the spin bicycle yeah, shop brett's team yeah, Brett's team. <laughs> Brett's team. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then next to him, we have uh, Mackenzie Suarez, who is also on the team, like we just said, and uh, local rider. So um, we are going to talk about the Iceman in two different capacities, from the expert level down to the very beginner level. And we have both of those um, here with us today. So, um, so Mackenzie, how, how's pro going to go? <laughs> yeah, Mackenzie's going to ride the pro. Yeah. And uh, Sebastian. Sebastian, Sebastian's going to be back in wave 60 with me. 62. So, oh, 62 this year. No, Gotta 69. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep it classy here with the porn stash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They saw my stash and they made us our own wave. <laughs> I'm losing control of the podcast instantly. We're only two beers in. This is going to get dark quick. Yeah, wait, I thought this was PG, no swear words. No God's name in vain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before we get into the Iceman talk, I think we need to talk a little bit about our week in the mid-pack. And Sebastian, Sheldon, you guys uh, took part in quite the adventure this last weekend. Um, Can we talk a little bit about your O Canada? um, 300 uh, slash... Uh, attempt i guess oh canada attempt yeah so canada as we talked about before was an attempt at a uh quad century and we got up by petoskey 
and at our, or no, it was Waters. We got to our SAG stop in Waters and started pulling up our our uh, weather forecast. And we knew we were going to get some rain this weekend, regardless. By the time, sorry, go way back. By the time you got to Waters, how many miles were you into this? One or uh, two sixty. Two two sixty. So yeah. so you started in Ohio. Ohio. Eight eight p.m. ish. I started with you. Yeah, I was about to say, why are you asking? You should. <laughs> Let me chime in and say I dropped them off in the middle of just a random road. Oh, cornfield. It was there was no shoulder on this road. I don't there know was quite nothing. why that was the choice. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, but it seemed like I, a good enough place to start as any. Yeah, yeah. Closest it was just, point to Ohio, Michigan border. border yeah. But yeah. right next to Indiana as well. At one point we drive we drove in the wrong direction. It was like, Welcome to Ohio, welcome to Indiana. Yep. I don't know where we are. And yeah. yeah, so this was Friday. So this is Friday evening. 8.15 p.m. <laughs> left that random spot on the road at 8.15-ish. Mm-hmm. and um, Rode all through the night. All through the night. I, uh, I, I, I dumped out around Lansing, so that was about 90-ish miles. Yep. Um, and then uh, went into my cozy bed and went to sleep, and then you guys went on into we the kept, dark, kept, cold evening. Oh, it just got, it, it got cold. Uh, I think the lowest we saw was 32 degrees. 32 degrees, yep. Freezing. Yeah, right, right With before. a constant headwind for 203 miles we had at headwind. least i well, think it was well, more so like it, 270 well no so at 203 is when we got that seven miles of tailwind mm-hmm. and then it immediately turned back into a headwind mm-hmm. so it was it was myself um sebastian sheldon who else was with us here uh brett was there mitch brett was miller there. mitch de young uh jameson, jameson clockner and uh nathan lazara lazarda lazarda I was just calling Nate. 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 Nate was there. Sorry, Nate, that we don't know how to say your last name. (laughs) (laughs) Never even thought about it before. But um, it was uh, started with seven of us. And um, oh, and then Tristan. Tristan showed up. Out of the middle. We kind of tag teamed as I dumped off. He. he, uh, It had to have been like two o'clock in the morning. It was. It was two o'clock in the morning at that that point. He, He just found us out in the middle of the country. Yeah, yeah, he, he ended up getting 100 miles in. Yeah, so a lot of hard miles, and then you end up in Waters, which waters. is pretty far up there in between Gaylord and Grayling. Correct. Yes. Um, and uh, what happens at that point? So we're looking at the radar, and there is a storm front coming across the Great Lakes that is about the size of the state of Michigan. And it is all moving directly at us. Mm-hmm. So we had the discussion of... There's no way we're going to get 100 miles in sub-50 degree rain and and finish this 400. Like, we, we as a group, concluded at that point, 400 was off, was just off the table. It wasn't going to happen. Well, not only was it cold, it was getting dark. Which and we're might... in a high-traffic area still, because well, yeah. we're, Pata- we're, we're riding to Petoskey at okay. this point. Okay, So it was also a danger yeah. to, to our health. So, so at that point, Safety. you said... 400 miles really isn't oh yeah as a group we concluded 400 was off the table so you got you all had around 300 miles for at this point i mean in terms of a a a dnf i think around 300 miles is a pretty good uh (laughs) attempt so i mean yeah i mean you can't control the weather so you guys did your best of course no the weather was nasty uh it really started to come down once it got dark and that was when it was 
it was just not smart to be on the road. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, up in the Petoskey area, the roads are very weavy up and down. Cars can't see you. And who's thinking about a cyclist at dusk or at night yeah. in a rainstorm? You're not thinking, oh, it's a great time to ride a bike. And that's that's how people get killed. Yeah. I definitely think it was probably the smart decision to um, mm-hmm. quit at that point. So, um, but either way, it seems pretty epic and uh, um, a lot cooler than I don't know. I rode like twenty miles today. So, you want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was your How was your Monday in the mid bed? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we wrapped up that ride, but uh, two weeks before this ride was Margie, correct? Yeah, exactly. Two weeks before. All right, let's hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so before we get, so we have talked about this race, Margie Gesick, and we had Brett Miller on, who talked about uh, his preparations. And um, Brett finished; he did a great job. And Sebastian also raced um, in the Margie Gesick, and he did he did fantastic as well. And we haven't really, I, Sheldon, you and I talked a little bit about. Um, uh, the uh, the finishers and and how it went um, from the outside, but we haven't heard from anyone from the inside how the race went. So Sebastian, um, I don't know. It just this was your second time doing it, correct? This was my second time doing it. The first time I didn't finish. Um, I sliced the sidewall on one of my on my rear tire and failed to fix it uh, after replacing it with multiple tubes. Um, and by the time I got to mile 90, it was getting dark. So I decided to call it quits two years ago. So I had some hashtag unfinished business to take care of this year. Um, and, uh, I definitely made a much better tire choice this year with, uh, the Schwalbe Nobby Nicks, which I would highly recommend for that race. Um, did you run the same tire front and back? I did run the same tire front and back. I was debating whether I should, and I decided that um, the traction that you get from the Nobby Nicks with the bigger lugs is much better than trying to go for speed. Um, it's not there's not much opportunity to go flat out during that race, so it's much better to be safe and not crash and have those bigger lugs than to sacrifice less traction for more speed so i'm glad i made that choice um i also put a dropper post on my bike the week of the race so i had never used it before but decided that (laughs) (laughs) during the 100 miles i would figure out how to use it Uh, (laughs) how long did it take to master it Honestly, anytime there was a downhill or I saw a downhill, I'd just drop it, and it was a great decision. Okay. I think I would have suffered well, a lot more. We don't need to go on this tangent, but maybe we do. I, as a road rider and gravel rider, and and I dabble in mountain biking, I just don't get the dropper post. Like, what, Sell me on the dropper post, or tell me more about the dropper post. I just don't un- really understand the benefit of having just another thing I have to worry about. Yeah, I would say, you know, around here in the lower peninsula, you, you wouldn't really need to have a dropper post just because uh, there's no technical descents that you're sitting on the back tire um, okay. trying to keep yourself from going over your bars. 
but up in the up there's just the super steep descents and super steep climbs that you kind of just want to make sure your seat's out of the way so you're not banging into it when you hit a big rock or are trying to go over rocks so basically it just gives you more control over your bike because you can be centered on it um is, is the point to get your gravity lower exactly center of gravity lower yeah you want to you want to lower your center <laughs> of gravity so you have more control over over your bike so that when you're going down a technical descent with lots of rocks you can kind of maneuver your bike a little bit better than you would be able to with your seat all the way up got it speaking got of it. which uh what bike did you ride for this so i rode a specialized epic expert um and it was okay i would honestly wish i had a, a scott spark rc um just because of their lockout system um, very specific it's like you, it's like you've been shopping yeah yeah that's, that's <laughs> gonna be my next bike the question is when isn't he shopping <laughs> yeah. yeah okay you said scott and then you proceed to model oh let's go very specific on this <laughs> uh, a 2020 version of course yeah. yeah yeah of course um but yeah you know it, it, it served me well i've i've ridden uh specialized for three years now and i've done quite a few of the hundred mile endurance races on it and it's it's treated me pretty well um so i have no, no complaints so you got through um it was uh unfinished business is that what no is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, hashtag unfinished business. Yeah. And do you and you finish that business? I, I finished the business. Uh, and I'm gonna chime in at this point because at mile, what they called it 85, but was actually mile 90 since there were actually like 105 miles of riding. Mm -hmm. um, Sebastian came through. It was the last checkpoint before there would be any sort of darkness, and he said, "I'm done." And I said, "I drove here." I'm Wait, not driving many, away with you. How in many this miles car. is this? This uh, was 90 miles in, and you probably had another. I, yeah, I got, another 15 I, miles. Yeah, sure. I pulled into Jackson Mine, and you know, two years ago I didn't have the lights, and then this year I didn't have the lights either. Um, so I just had two front handlebar lights, uh, which is a mistake. You should definitely have a light on your helmet so that you can see uh, where you're going when you're looking around turns. Mm -hmm. uh, the handlebar lights, you kind of are guessing where you're going to go next. Uh, thankfully, we had ridden the last 10 miles of the trail the, night, the day before, so I kind of had an idea of what the conditions were going to be. The last 10 miles weren't nearly as technical as some of the sections at mile 50 and mile between miles 60 and 85 um so i was able to kind of guess my way around the turns uh with just the handlebar lights but for anyone who wants to try that race out i would highly recommend having a, a good uh helmet light helmet light yeah. and handlebar light okay. so but i am going to toot my turns. own horn and say that like without support this race is pretty much impossible like, had Sebastian not had someone there to refill his water, provide him with mm -hmm. food, bring him the essentials, like, this race, and honestly, just moral support. Like, as I was mentioning before, at mile 90, he was ready to drop, and I pretty much told him I wasn't about to drive away with him in my car. 
Like, there wasn't an option. You're either finishing or you're not coming home. So, yeah, like, I, think, <laughs> I definitely think that's the um, the necessity of some of these longer races. Um, it's not only the preparation that you put in for yourself and for your gear, but also having a, a good team around you and someone who can say, no, get your butt back on that bike and finish this thing. So Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that you, you were bringing him food. I think I heard that you also assisted him with some some eating yeah so you know like in between these stops right like you're wearing gloves do you want to take these gloves off no of course you don't so when the only option is to eat a coney dog what do you do you turn to your girlfriend and you say can you feed me this coney dog and like in that moment like what else am i going to say but yes and like have you you tried the stunt since you got home well well no no i haven't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to preface this, we went up to one of the vendors who was there making food, and I just went up to him, and I was like, what's the fastest thing you can make? Like, I need it now. And uh, he's like, Coney Dog, it'll be up in a minute. And uh, so he, he prepped this Coney Dog, and Mackenzie fed it to me. I have I have so many questions. <laughs> this is, let me say, though, this is the first ever hot dog I've seen Sebastian eat ever. <laughs> Well, I mean, was a Coney dog on your uh, regimen, your training regimen? Is this? <laughs> no, no, no. That that race is honestly, if you can eat it, you should. You yeah. know, it's there's there, there's no limits as to what you can and can't eat. You're not going fast enough where you're going to feel sick from eating real food. Uh, it's, it's just a grind. It's it, a slow grind. It's a slow grind. You're walking up a lot of the hills. You know, you, it's not like you're hammering it out and getting stomach cramps. Sure. It's more or less about just enduring the pain over the course of 14 hours and 11 minutes uh, before you, you know, kind of, you, you don't really feel like you're you're going to throw up at any point. Or I didn't, at least. I, my next question um, was: This a traditional coney dog? What was on? What, what were wait, the wait. accoutrement? Was this a Detroit or Flint style coney? There you go. This... What is the difference? Yeah, may I, ask? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I am yeah. born and raised in Michigan, and all right, I, I don't know. So what's Flint? A, drop Flint? us with some mustache knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so here, so Flint, face. Flint, Flint is like <laughs> soupier and spicy, where Detroit is more of like a chunky meaty sauce. It was a chunky. It meaty was a sauce, chunky yeah. meaty sauce, but okay. you know we were in Marquette, so it could have been it was a Marquette Mar- dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It had it had a hot dog. It had chili. It had right, onions so I, I, and I, I th- mustard. I think we so. hear some beef going on between the east side of the state and the UP. <laughs> and this not needs, only this needs that, to be hashed out. It just started it. I think we just started like a whole. <laughs> we're just gonna sit back and war. watch <laughs> a Cody dog war. <laughs> But also, I hear the benefit of a coating dog while you're racing is, you know, that mustard that they add on top, vinegar, which is the essential ingredient in pickle juice, which acetic prevents cramping. Acid. Okay. It's the acetic so, acid, yeah. Well, you listen, know, we've, yeah. we've talked for about two and a half minutes about coney dogs and i think this is a kind of content you would come to expect from the dirty chain podcast so <laughs> well so, so we're talking about food we might as well go along with drinks what are you drinking tonight oh man that's a i'm drinking the uh the shorts juicy brute it's it's such a good session ipa probably one of the best i've ever had absolutely um i would concur and then i picked up today some of these 
Sierra Nevada. I know it's not Michigan. It's not staying in the Michigan sphere of things, but I pick up the uh, Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest, but it's in, um, they, they brewed it in, in connection with um, Bitburger in Germany, which um, my brother was stationed right outside of Bitburger, so I had to pick it up, and it's a really good Oktoberfest. So. Yeah, so that's all I've had tonight, and it's, it's good. good. Yeah. I've had like a few of those really on top of the Juicy Brutes. <laughs> all good. <laughs> um, back to Margie. Or do we need to talk about Margie anymore? I think are we, we, are we We got it? Uh, we got Sebastian it. should mention how well you did. Yeah, I, uh, I finished, I think, 29th overall, uh, and that was a pretty big accomplishment. Well, I th- what yeah. is the what is the DNF rate on? It was well, I okay. So the finish rate was thirty seven percent, which would mean that the DNF rate. Quick math, come on. Come on. Is <laughs> you have a master's degree, you can do this. Sixty three percent. So sixty three, sixty three percent of people decided not to finish okay. the race, and then of the thirty seven seven percent, um, you think, came in twenty ninth. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so the reason we brought the two of you here it was, um, of course, to talk uh, the finer things about Coney Dogs and, uh, of course, hear about Margie of O Canada, but mostly to talk about the upcoming Iceman Cometh Challenge. And uh, like we said in the intro, we wanted to look at it in two different perspectives, from the beginner and to the expert. And Mackenzie... You have never raced the Iceman Cometh, and in fact, um, I mean, th- is this your second season seriously riding or seriously mountain biking? So this is my first season mountain biking. Okay. Um, I guess you could say that around September last year was the first time I ever really hopped on a mountain bike. My first experience mountain biking ever was lying to a man who lives in Austria and telling him I'm really serious about mountain biking. So that way he would take me into the Austrian Alps and take me mountain biking because I thought it was a really good idea. So I did that. I did in three miles about 4,000 feet of climbing for my first experience ever mountain biking, which, as you can imagine, had some pretty crazy descents, which I just sent it. I didn't know anything else, and I had convinced... Were you wearing a helmet at least? Oh, of course I was. Okay, okay. So I did that, and I came back, and I did my first mountain biking experience in Michigan after that, and... Um, from I was pretty, borrowing a bike at that pretty point. Pretty soon after that, I mean, we, yeah, I you came back from got the bug. Yeah, I got. I was like, wow, then... that was great. So I came back, and about a week later, I did my first experience at the DTE trails here in oh, Michigan. Yeah, fantastic. And I did that with like a group of people from Spin Bicycle Shop, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a pretty gnarly experience. I almost went over my handlebars because you know I have zero technical skills and I've convinced all these people I know how to bike. So they just left me and I just, you know, did what Fended I did for yourself. Fended for, Fended yourself. for myself. This yeah. was just last year. Just last year in September. Okay. Um, and so then this year I was still borrowing the same bike. Uh, it was Chad and Nicole, the owner of spin. Um, they were letting me borrow their daughter's hard Kona Hanzo hardtail. Okay. So I had been riding that and after a while I decided like, wow, I love mountain biking. So I ended up buying, um, uh, Cannondale 
scalpel. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm writing now. And the first, I think, the first time I ever wrote it was actually at the Arcadio Grit and Gravel, which is a gravel race, which Everyone actually ri- is, is a mountain, a mountain bike, bike race. race. Yeah. So yeah. that We've was my first that. mountain bike race, uh, which was my second race ever. Uh, my first race ever was uh, Hellcat. I did the okay. 50 mile and that was pretty good. But yeah, so I did Arcadia Grit and Gravel in the rain, which was crazy for a first mountain bike experience, but overcame it and it was really good. And since then, I've been trying to mountain bike as much as I can, um, which since then I've done a lot of really strenuous trails. I kind of catch on pretty quick. So I felt yeah, you've like... you've been doing like Pato and... Have you done Pato? I've done Pato. Yeah, I've done most of them in Michigan trails, uh, as well as Sebastian and I traveled to the Mountain Bike World Cup. Yeah. And oh. we rode at Mount St. Anne, which was crazy. And especially for my first season of riding, crazy. I just kind of, luckily, since Sebastian is my partner, he kind of just throws me into all of it, which that's kind of the best way to go for it, right? Yeah. Is to like have zero expectation and just go and ride. And to also have someone who completely believes in you like doesn't instill any fear in your mind they're just like yeah you can do it and then they just take off and you're kind of just left there (laughs) sounds like an awful partner (laughs) you're just left there with like the you have no room to speak mister (laughs) did you give up (laughs) you're right (laughs) i'll edit that part out you know but for real like i'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm ungrateful for the experiences I've had because I'm extremely grateful that many times Sebastian has just left me in the woods by myself and I've had to figure it out on my own and that's been the best way to learn for me. Why are you making me sound terrible right now? What am I saying? Yeah, it's been my first season of mountain biking and I've overcome a lot in the first season and I'm really excited to go into it go into the Iceman and pretty much have zero expectations. Right now I'm ranked like third out of only 14 women in my age group, which come on women, let's get out there. But anyway, like I'm really excited with that being my first season to be so highly ranked and to be as enthusiastic as I am and as confident as I am, regardless of like the amount of time I've actually spent on the trail. So earlier in the season, did you have... The Iceman as like, uh, did you circle it and say, I definitely want to do this? Or what has... I made these two do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Sheldon was a big point in telling me that I needed to do this race. Mm-hmm. But also, Sebastian has been a huge part of my training. And I definitely wouldn't be here without him. And it's kind of put a lot of pressure on me to do races that he's doing or at least try to be there, see them, or if not, like, attend if I can and, like, actually be a part of the race. And so I've learned, like, so much from Sebastian, and we do most of our rides together even if we're not, like, physically riding together. So the fact that he was doing it, the fact that everyone on my team was doing it and that Sheldon was telling me that I didn't have a choice in doing it, like, yes, I made this decision, but also, like, Sebastian had kind of, like, I guess I always ask Sebastian before we go on a trail, what should I expect? Is this going to be super rocky? Is this going to be super hilly? 
what should I expect? And he kind of always breaks it down, compares it to other trails. And for the Iceman, he told me, it's two track, you have this. Like, you've done a lot harder trails than this. More or less, the hardest thing will be navigating around people and picking lines that are possibly more difficult because you're going around other people. And so that's going to be my biggest barrier going into this is riding in the woods with a bunch of other people because I'm very much used to riding on my own or with very few other people yeah. when I'm mountain biking. Definitely. I mean, it, it is a... I mean, it's such a large race. Of course, it has waves, and even within those waves, you're going to get um, kind of not necessarily stuck, but you you will be boxed in, boxed in with a, with all sorts of of other waves. And when you're talking single track, it's going to be a little difficult. Now, um, on the other side of the spectrum, we have Sebastian, who has um, not only raced the Iceman in previous years, but raced on the pro level. And um, did relatively well, and so this year you were also racing on the on the pro level. Was it last year that you made the first page on finishing? Uh, no, two years ago, right? Two years two ago. Years. Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't participate in the Iceman last year, um, but two years ago I raced in the pro category for the first time, and um, I <laughs> have never had quite that sort of experience before in my life um you're basically just hanging on for dear life uh, just the whole time full gas for yeah, full gas for an hour and 45 minutes yeah. uh 30 miles of two track you know just trying to not to crash on the sandy sections yeah. and trying to hold someone's wheels so you don't get dropped off the off the group so um way different experience than my first ice man where i was in wave 60 something on my single speed um trying to just go around people the whole time um after that ride i basically said that i think i'm good enough to ride in the pro category so i'm gonna do a bunch of races to qualify for it and um did a lot of the cps series and the expert category or elite category and um yeah basically that allowed me to qualify for the pro category at Iceman. very cool yeah so are, do you have any um any goals for this year are you just kind of rolling with it i mean my goal for this year is to do as well or better than i did two years ago uh are, in in terms of time or in terms of uh placement in your in your do they do age group categories in the pro pro race? Yeah, they do age categories in the pro race. I can't remember which place I took in my age category two years ago. I'd have to look it up. Okay. But overall, you were in the, like, the top 30, weren't you? Yeah, I think I placed right in the mid-pack. <laughs> uh, basically, 30th out of... 78 or something like yeah, that you were Perfect. on the first page of results yeah yeah i was on the first page of results i didn't know which that, at iceman that with you know four thousand racers that's that's, that's that, big that's kind fair. of a big deal i guess so what i thought we could do is maybe break down we already talked a little bit about um waves about the difficulty with um with maybe getting stuck behind people in um single track um but let's 
let's kind of break it down a little bit. Um, around this table, we have a little bit of experience. Well, I've raced it one year. Sebastian, you've raced it. And then we have two newbies. So let's... Um, newbies. Yeah. So let's uh, <laughs> let's chat about it a little bit. Um, I think uh, we could maybe start with maybe some questions that either of you have. I think I'll, I'll start it off with just speaking of the the waves and if you, if you're if it's your first year for both of you 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 will probably not have uh the best wave you you won't have the best wave that's just the way it yeah. is and i i think that's just the nature of Iceman is that you you have to uh stick with it for quite a few years and and kind of work your way up um but my one piece of advice that i'm going to give for this is patience and you just need to be patient and um, overtake people when you can and don't when you cannot. And I think that's just the um, – if you try to make stupid moves, then you're you're going to get yourself in trouble. And Why are you looking at me right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really have to be – like Trevor's saying, you really have to be careful about passing people because you may think that the side is open and that you can take someone, but uh, – a lot of times there's sticks and rocks under the leaves uh, that you can't see and you end up going over something like that and stick gets stuck in your spokes or in your derailleur and you crash and and then it's you know you're you're farther back than when you were if you think you had I'm just not rocking waited. a derailleur <laughs> well I think I think the nature of the the course itself and the type of terrain it is like most of Michigan, it's sandy. Yeah. Lower Peninsula, Michigan, it's sandy, and um, a lot of that single track is it's kind of worn out, and so you have quite these embankments on each side. So trying to pass people, you have to kind of make sure you're not um, dealing with this embankment that'll that'll slide you out too. But with patience, I guess is um, realistic expectation because if you go there thinking that you're going to get a sub two hour or um, do really well in your age group um, with it being your first time. Even though you may have the fitness and the um, the riding ability, it, it just may not be possible. And that's okay because I don't think the Iceman is always about um, your results. It's just about the experience of the whole weekend. It's the which, drinking afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the experience. It, it is the best um, – I mean, it's it's the best weekend event of 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 mountain biking for sure in Michigan, and I think in in, in a lot of the the whole country. I mean, it's I'm yeah, kind it's... of banking. Well, first of all, going into this, I have zero expectation, given that I've done two races in general prior to this. So, sure. kind of my mentality going into a race is. I'm seeing how this is, I'm seeing how I'm going to do, and I'm seeing where my body can take me. I know I have a high level of fitness, but racing is very different than everyday riding. Um, there's definitely a mentality that goes into racing, there's strategy that goes into racing, just kind of as you're saying, knowing when to pass, when knowing when not to pass, but also I'm hoping, I'm like banking on some faith that I will spot Sheldon somewhere on his little single track watch, somewhere watch we're in the same wave and that's what i'm honestly hoping for is that we will be clustered in Look the for same the bright wave. Pink bike yeah exactly <laughs> and i will be able to say okay yes pick him out and just like ride together for as much as we can and then like kind of take people off like 
together in a sense, I guess. So that way there's like less pressure on myself and less pressure on the moment. It's kind of comforting to find someone that you know, especially in such a large crowd. So part of me is like banking on from a similar area like yes you're riding single speed and yes you're faster than me but because you're riding single speed maybe you'll be thrown into my group who knows but at this point i'm kind of banking on a little bit of luck and a little bit of the same wave yeah and a little bit of just hoping for the best but going into this i don't have much expectation because what can i expect being a fairly new rider sure and i think that's a healthy way to approach it for sure I think if I have one word of advice, it's definitely to pass people on the uphills um, because that's where people slow down the most, which I don't quite understand. They usually stop pedaling about, you know, 500 feet before the climb when realistically you should be trying to hold your momentum to get into the climb. Well, as being Um, someone who's only five foot two, uphills are my strength. So regardless of any race that I'm in, I'm passing people on uphills just due to my your lightweight. My lightweight, my ability to just grind through those moments. So that's where I plan on finding my strengths in this race. I have zero ability on a downhill. Gravity mm-hmm. is not taking 110 pounds very far. Like th- let's be honest here. <laughs> I think with with the uphills in Iceman I think uh, choosing your line on an uphill is so important versus choosing your line. You, of course, need to choose your line on, on a fast downhill, but seeing and, and, and choosing your line early on the uphill, seeing where people are, who might slow down and stop your momentum, where you can get around people, the correct line in that sense is really important. Yeah, see, doing the triple trail challenge here in lower peninsula michigan and like the center of michigan where there was like a large variety of people i kind of learned to figure that out in a sense the uphills would get very clogged with people and being someone who is stronger suited for those uphills i would kind of have to find either more difficult lines because people were clogging up like the easier lines or being able to just navigate through the mess of people like kind of using the people as the obstacle as well as not only like the rocks and roots, being able to find your way around it was something that the triple trail challenge kind of prepared me for this in a sense, like having a bunch of people on the trail as well as possibly not even being able to choose the best line because there are 10 people ahead of you who are walking their bike up the hill. So that's kind of something that I'm hoping will shine out be careful is, that's gonna be me walking my bike up well you're on a single speed <laughs> so excuse yourself <laughs> sebastian what would you say about the terrain we've talked a little bit about it um and uh any words of wisdom about the 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 sandiness i mean i know it's all contingent on the weather and it could the sand could be fast it could be damp it could be really dry um what, uh, if anything, do you have to say about that? Yeah, this race is super weather dependent. I mean, it could snow yeah. uh, the night before. Uh, it, it could be downpouring rain. And the best part about this race is that they don't cancel it. It It's rain or shine. You're going out there. Um, if it rains the night before, it's going to be a fast race. Um, 
the sand just gets get super packed down and you can just flow right over it uh if it's dry the week of it's gonna be it's gonna be rough like a beach uh, yeah, yeah basically like riding on a beach um probably want to run slightly lower tire pressures if it is uh dry just so you can kind of float on top of the sand now on the course how rooty does the single track get like can i you... mean there's not too much to worry about so i really probably should run a pretty aggressive gearing yeah yeah okay. i would definitely run an aggressive gearing like because 16. even the single track sections it's like it, it's, it's flat or downhill it's not up it's not an uphill single track so and, my 16 and I, I remember i mean there's it's not technical single track no i mean and that's no. what i mean the ice man's it's not a technical course i mean it's mm-hmm. sandy it's uh um there's some there's some climbs there's some really steep climbs but um but uh, it's not like riding a really technical mountain bike uh, no course at all no not does at anyone all. know how many feet of climbing there is okay it's different this year so they they added in a few at the at the end um and i was looking at the course i i don't know have they posted it um my let me check my strava i was trying to check my strava so in 2017 you were 41st out of 4,400. <laughs> That's, That's pretty cool. Wicked. <laughs> pro, I mean, still pro, 39th out of 92 for your first pro race. Yeah. It's pretty solid. I, That's I some solid know. Michigan mid-pack right there. I, I, that's, I, not that's, mid, not that's not mid-pack. Yeah, You're not is. allowed to 90, be on this podcast mid, anymore. 40-something 40 40 out of 90, that's about mid-pack. I'm, I'm a little worried but this year. But he was year. 41st out of 4,400. Yeah, but we're talking pro category. For pro category, yeah. yeah. So out of 90-something, he's mid-pack. What are you worried about this year? Honestly, my biggest concern is that I've been doing a lot more endurance training this year and not as many That's what CPS, we're going like yep. short burst uh, races where it's, you know, you're basically at your max heart rate towards your FTP the whole time. These weekends prior to the race, we're really going to try to like beat down some like high FTP like some hill repeats in the local area and just trying to like beat in what's it feel like to be at my max heart rate for a long period of time. So I found it. It's uh, 1,400 feet of climbing. Okay. Is what wow. I, um, I know that uh, that they're adding more climbs at the end of the, the race this year too, so there'll probably be a little bit more climbing. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I know I'm I'm a little curious to see how your endurance training actually does for this cuz I I'm wondering if you could be if you'll be surprised at how you feel in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I tend to surprise myself at races like Mohican. I was not expecting to do as well as I did. Uh place 11th yeah uh but that was a, that was hundred so that was an endurance ride though that yeah was... and that and i mean honestly i i didn't think i was gonna do that well during that race i didn't think i was gonna do as well as i did at margie so hopefully i surprised myself again at Iceman. but yep. you never know 
Uh, you can always have a mechanical, always could be a crash right in front of you. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I guess my biggest thing is that I've been more geared towards the hundred mile endurance races, which is a different type of training. Mackenzie, um, I'm wondering, are there any other questions? I mean, we've, we've, we, I don't think we've really dived too deep into the, the, the course itself or just the race itself. I mean, we talked about, um, it's a point to point, how much climbing there'll be. How are there you guys setting be. your bikes up? Yeah, let's talk about bike in, ter- in terms of like tire choice. Yeah, tire choice. Is pressures. that going to be like a game? Well, tire pressure game right, day is going to be a day of. Yeah, tire pressure's day of. Um, I think I'm probably going to run a Nobby Nick in the front and a Thunderbird in the back. What's your thought process on that? My thought process is that in the sandy sections, I can slide out on the rear end, uh, but catch with the front. Mm-hmm uh with the with the bigger lugs so yeah that's kind of the idea is to have well because you're putting more weight on the rear anyways so realistically that's where you're getting more resistance if you have bigger lugs Um, are you still gonna ride your your epic is that your main main rig i don't have another choice you don't have a hardtail or no i don't have a hardtail i wish i did but i don't um but yeah, basically, is the hardtail the choice to go for this type of race? Oh, for sure. Um, a hardtail or even a, a monster cross bike. Yeah, you know something like you Jeff can Bush style or something. Exactly. Rigid fork and yeah. Well, he's it, coming back this year. Yeah, then I'm rigid forking this all the way. It Locking it depends it too, mm-hmm. like you know what the conditions are. I mean, if it's if it's muddy, riding that type of monster cross bike might not be the best choice um just because you're you don't have as much control over the bars as you do with a flat bar i would you know that's interesting mackenzie you said you'll lock out your front fork and i intended to do a lot of that last year but i found myself not and maybe just because i was in the moment i wasn't thinking about it Mm -hmm. but uh Maybe I tried it a couple times and I thought, eh, and I just I just left it on the entire time. Yeah, see, I have a definite lack of knowledge about my bike, which is a deficit for sure. But being a new rider, uh, for example, my rear shock had been locked out for about 99% of the season until Sebastian Not 99%. was... 99%. Dude, the yeah. <laughs> For a long time. The first time you locked out, you unlocked my rear was Mount St. Anne, which was about a month ago. Yeah, which was important. Which was was about 99% of the way. Yeah, which was about 99% of the way through my season. So, regardless, uh, I have an entirely stock bike. So, I'll be running Racing Ralphs on my Cannondale, which is. Sure, that's what I that's what I rode last year, Racing Ralphs. That's I don't what I have plan on changing anything. Uh, number one, I can't afford to change anything, and number two, I simply don't have the knowledge to know what else I would run until I've done the race and like had more experience. I think I think the choices you do have are tire pressure that you absolutely, can change. which which will yeah. be. As Sheldon and, and Sebastian mentioned, dependable on weather and conditions of that particular day. Yeah, we're right. on the same thing regardless. Yeah, talk a little bit about Sheldon. So you, I mean, it's your your um, your single speed, but we we mentioned this earlier. But what what's the gearing you're going with then? Uh, so as of right now, I'm I was gonna run the forty two eighteen, uh, 
the eighteen tooth rear cog, but um after kind of talking with Sebastian about, you know, the flat areas and everything and kind of getting clogged up regardless on some of the hills, it might be beneficial for me just to run my 16 tooth so I can have some more speed in the in the more open areas that I can close on people and get away. I mean, there are definitely some steep, punchy hills that will be difficult with a with your 16 tooth, mm-hmm. I think. But I think if you have the strength to just power through it or are just smart and jump off your bike and run up it, it'll be faster than trying to crank through it, yeah. um, then you will benefit um, some of the faster areas for sure. Um, and then you just recently set up your um, yeah, your, yeah, your tire s- choice. So what, what, are you, what are you rolling on there? So I'm running uh, WTB Nanos in uh, uh, 40C width. Um, they're kind of kind of like an oversized cyclocross tire. They're they're the they're gravel width, but they're mountain bike tread, you know, knobby. Yeah, cyclocross style. Cool. And we we uh we took them out for a test. Anderson, they yeah. rocked it. Yeah, it was fun. The the only the only additional things I would add that we haven't talked about is that the waves at the beginning are it's kind of grueling to watch other people take off before you um while you wait there until your wave is called fatiguing yeah yeah you're like basically just sitting there at the start line and the cold waiting in the cold like trying to keep warm uh until your wave is called and then what's the spacing on the wave uh they're about a minute apart yeah, I thought um, so. It's brief. Say, it's pretty fast. Yeah, it's fast, but it doesn't feel fast when you're actually there. Well, yeah. not Especially when there's thirty when waves ahead of exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. And I, th- I think yeah, and you, people start lining up for them really early, oh, super yeah. early, yeah. and so you're standing there, you're freezing cold. You got to have a jacket on. You got to have someone who's there that will take your jacket this, for you. Great point. Yeah, um, you, you want to be wearing a lot of clothes at the start line, absolutely. and then and then just get rid of those clothes right before you start. Yeah, because you're gonna warm up real fast. Because yeah. you have to, for the ice man, you have to realize that even if you're in a wave, you want to start at the start of your wave, and people take off no matter if they're in shape or not in shape. They just take off and yeah. they'll actually, you'll probably end up passing them, but at the beginning, everyone just wants to go as fast as but they can. But then your Bernie match is just to close on people that you're going to outride regardless. Basically, yeah. But yeah, you, yeah, but it is important. I mean, you have to get out in front. I mean, you start with single track. I mean, you start, you have this like, now there's a whole new start to it that I'm not really that familiar with, but then you dump into some single track and then what you get to that docker dockery road or um let me i got to look at it i have a question yeah. shoot so for this being a shorter race and me mainly witnessing you guys and myself riding like further endurance races what kind of warming up would you suggest for a race like this i mean i would think uh, personally i would warm up more than a really long race well absolutely but what would you recommend for like i mean i basically when i've done this i'm riding up to the point when my wave is being called 
And I'm how just, much in advance are you writing? Then? I mean, I'm writing from the point when people are starting and I'm because you don't want to just be standing there because you're going to get so cold. I mean, unless you're sitting in your car with the heat on, there's not really any way to stay warm, especially if it's cold. I mean, it usually is because it's in the morning. So basically, you're just you're riding until your wave starts. Just and what kind of riding you are you talking about? Just riding in circles? Are you talking about? Yeah, like... I'm riding in circles. I'm riding around the parking lot. I'm riding around the starts. Like it, it's you just it, ride. There's people riding around. So I mean, it is a it is a balance of. Um having enough of a warm-up and then also being close enough to the start. Yeah. Um, because you, when people truly start lining up, you want to be towards the towards the front. Um, it looks like I, I rode about, I don't know, six and a half miles um, to warm up last year, and I think I could have gone more, but I, I felt like that was pretty decent. Um, but then again, I, I, I warmed up and I got to the, to the start line, and I still probably stood there for 10 minutes mm -hmm. also Which, as a beginner what were you wearing what do you suggest that someone who is just doing this for the first time like what gear should i come prepped with to be like physically on my body i mean it, it again it's it's all weather dependent but um last year in particular it was it was pretty cold i mean i think it topped out at like 42 or 43 that day so it was it was probably, I think it was snowing. I mean, it didn't stick or anything, but there was snow um, falling at the, at the when I started riding. Um, I I think I just wore a thermal jersey and um, and full leg warmers, um, leg warmers. Is that what we call them? Well, Arm warmers, leg warmers, warmers tights. And there's some leg, warmers. leg warmers. I I, I still wore my my bibs and then the leg warmers underneath it was definitely cold at the beginning but i wasn't too cold um mm -hmm. during most likely depending i mean weather dependent but uh probably be wearing like a base layer my jersey arm sleeves hat uh leg warmers maybe long bibs depending on how cold it is um and then booties for sure on the shoes oh yeah and uh one thing is that with the arm warmers you can always just pull them down while you're riding you don't have to take them all the way off and that's a, a great way to cool down that's one of the things that i usually do is yeah it's kind of just pull them down if i get too hot yeah, Sebastian never fails to have one arm sleeve down, one leg sleeve down. He, he did a Hellcat too. Yeah, always lopsided at any yeah. race like he finishes. One off and like I think one it Barry too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. the photographs super after. Super pro, super yeah. pro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one arm is always warmer it's never than the symmetrical. other. No, mm -mm. that'd be too easy. Hydration pack I, or bottles? I will probably go with the hydration pack. Really? Personally, um, just because. Just like half full. Yeah. For sure, because uh, two years ago when I did it, I didn't have time to reach down for a bottle. That That is, I mean, uh, and especially when you're going so fast, it's... Exactly. I think the hydration pack was so nice for that because, I mean, like, you can you just reach down. You don't even have to look. You know where it is. You reach down. You put... You, and you once know. it's in your mouth, your hands are back on the bars. Exactly. So you're, there's never a time... Because I've seen people crash reaching for their bottles i think i ran two bottles 
and I probably took a couple sips of one. Um, yeah, I'm really bad maybe about be- drinking. Maybe because of that reason. Also, it's it's cold and your mind's not thinking, I need to drink a lot. But um, it is important, of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't have a hydration pack, so I just rolled with bottles. Um, I think this is one of the best things of the Iceman is the finishing shoot. The finish. You feel like um, – uh, well – Sebastian, you rode the pro <laughs> race, but um, as a non-pro going through that finish shoot, and I mean, it's it's a long, you're going underneath these these uh, segments where people can kind of cheer on, on these like, um, like bridge type things. Yeah, and um, and, uh, and it's real windy and you're going through the campground and it is probably the coolest moment you may have on a bike because there are so many people there. There are riders there that have finished already. There's friends and family of everyone, and they're cheering everyone on. There's a jumbotron. I mean, it feels so cool to go through that finish shoot. And I think um, as much as you you are struggling with the people at the beginning, you may be bummed out about whatever wave you're in. Maybe your time's not right. Once you get into that point. You're like, yes, yes this is I why I do this. This is so cool. And I can't wait for you two to have that moment. Yeah. It's and so fun. And then share a beer at the end. And then, then, the, then the party at the end is phenomenal. I oh, mean, yeah. it's it's uh, sponsored by Bells. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And it is like quintessential autumn. You're in a campground. There's fire uh, in northern Michigan. places. You're in northern Michigan. I mean, it's, it's absolutely the best. Well, I think um, – you know, Iceman is so great because you have, in the same race, you can have pros like Jeff Kabush, but also you have a whole wide range of people like you and I that... Um, mid-packers. Mid-packers. Or you have people that this is the only race they do for the entire year. Yeah. And they have beer in their bottles. And they have beer in their bottles, and it's just a party. <laughs> I just love that about this race that it's been... I mean, this is the 30th year... Yeah. That it's that'll be running, and it it is a staple not only in Michigan but in the mountain bike scene in the entire country. Yeah. So, um, super exciting, and uh, and I think I want to talk more about it if we can. Hopefully, afterwards, maybe when we're there, we can chat a little bit about the Iceman. But I'm looking forward to it, and I hope all of you are too. And also. Um, for those listeners that are participating in the Iceman, why don't you shoot us a message if you, one, have questions, maybe it's your first time, or two, if you have any great Iceman tips, let us know. Um, shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, that would be super cool. And a big thank you to both Sebastian and Mackenzie for joining us today and for sharing your story and experience as you look forward to this year's Iceman. As always... Keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. See See you in the the mid-pack.